Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Well, welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. Tonight, we had a great day enjoying that beautiful spring weather. I know that everybody's so happy is here. Um, sorry, I just had to put that little jab in. Um, some of you don't know me, and so you might not laugh at stuff like that. That's okay. Um, but a lot of you don't know me, and so I wanted to start tonight telling a little bit more about myself. And I thought I would do that by telling you about something um, that is or more was a huge fear of mine growing up. Um, so disclaimer, I was 16. If, if not 16, I was, pre- I was within a month of turning 16 before I swallowed a pill. Um, so this could be like any type of pill, ibuprofen, aspirin, anything. I was 16 before I swallowed a pill. I never swallowed a pill up until that point solely because of the fact that I was afraid of swallowing pills. It, w- it was a mental block. I, if I got sick or if I had a headache or I had a back injury at one point during a, a sporting event, um, it resorted to me either in this like marble bowl, like crushing up ibuprofen and putting it in grape juice because that's the strongest tasting thing that'll cover it. Uh, or the other thing that I did was my mom would just put the, the two ibuprofen or whatever it was on the counter. She'd give me a glass of water and she'd just walk away. Because she knew what was going to follow was me sitting there, standing there, putting it in my mouth, trying to take a drink, spitting it out. It's starting to dissolve. It tastes bad in your mouth. I'm crying. I'm a baby. And I'm just like, not like actually baby, like I'm acting like a baby. And it, it was just miserable, but I couldn't get over it. And one time, I even, the time that I got injured, I just chewed them. I didn't know what else to do. I just chewed them because I was in that much pain. So it was my sophomore year before I could swallow a pill. I, I was just too afraid. I, I couldn't do it. And the bummer was, is that fear that I had, well, it prevented something helpful. It prevented something good, right? If I had a headache, if I was hurt, that fear of mine, it prevented me from having that medicine to help. And I think that fear does that with our faith sometimes too. Fear will prevent something. It'll prevent something that's really good because we're too afraid, because we won't swallow that pill. To give you an example of this, when I was in college, uh, I worked for Mizzou's student unions. So Memorial Union Student Center worked there. And as with like all college training or college jobs, you had training and development and seminars and, and all that stuff. And I remember specifically a couple of our trainings because I remember 
the feeling and what was going through my mind during these trainings, and, and that feeling was fear. It was fear and it was discomfort because I didn't fully agree with what was being taught. And so during one of these trainings, this person for the university, they came and they were talking about acceptance and, and inclusion and, and really welcoming everybody. And we, and we need to welcome people of different races, religions, and lifestyles and all that stuff. And if you're working, you can't deny anything or you can't disagree with them because of any reason of your own. So for me, being a Christian, you can't disagree with them because of your faith. And it actually got to the point during this discussion that this person that came and they were talking to us, they actually used the Bible. This person's not a Christian, um, to my knowledge, and I think that they would say that, but they were using the Bible and the Bible saying love so many times to say that this is why we accept everybody and this is why we approve of everybody. And I just, I remember I had this knot in my stomach and, and I just sat there and, and I remember thinking, okay, I don't think I disagree, or I don't think I agree with you. I don't think that I believe what you're saying is true. And I don't think the way you're talking about the Bible is true, but I didn't say anything. I don't know if the person leading that discussion was open to having a response or hoping to have, open to having a conversation afterwards because I didn't try. I, I was too afraid of what she might say back. I was too afraid of not having the right answer. I was too afraid of what my fellow coworkers and my friends would think of me. What would they do if they knew that I was a Christian and that I still believed some of this that this lady was teaching against? How would they treat me if I stood up for what the Bible says? And to be honest, I, I didn't say anything. I sat there quietly, and I, like maybe many of us here have, I left the meeting, I went to my roommate, and I complained. And that was my solution, right? That, that was what I did. I stayed silent, and then when I got around my Christian friends, I talked about how much I disagreed and hated what this person was doing, but I never took the opportunity to engage because I was so afraid. And I know that you guys... This experience that I had, it's far from unique, right? A lot of you have probably had this experience. You've had it with a teacher or a classmate or a sorority sister, fraternity brother, campus org member. You've had it with blogs and tweets and articles and posts and all these different things where the world and a lot of people they're teaching a worldview and a belief system that's contrary to what Scripture teaches. They're teaching something that goes against what God says. And when we're put in that situation, when you're put in that situation, what do you do? Do you lean in? Do you try to have a difficult conversation? Do you listen and ask questions and then challenge in a loving patient, gentle, yet faithful way, or are you similar to me? Maybe you are, and maybe you allow that fear to control and dictate your decisions. You allow fear to keep you quiet when you're around those people. And I think far too often, 
a lot of us in here tonight, myself for sure, far too often we shy away from those difficult conversations. We shy away from hard things that the Bible teaches because we're not sure what might happen next. Sometimes, I I think that Kyle said this last week, I think we're more afraid of getting canceled than being faithful to God. We're more concerned with what other people think of us than the consequences that might come with standing up for our faith. So if that's you, if that's many of us, a lot of us, maybe all of us in some way, what do we do when we come to our beatitude tonight? What do we do when we read in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, when it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's a, that's a hard passage. I think it's a passage that maybe you've seen before, maybe you've read before, And when you see it, you think, oh, persecution. What comes to mind when you think of persecution? Well, maybe it's, you know, in the book of Acts, it's the stoning of Stephen, and you think of him being killed. Maybe you think of Paul and how he was imprisoned and how he was beaten with lashings. Maybe you think of people in the early church that were martyred and persecuted and and killed. Or maybe you think of people today because that's, that wasn't just a problem then and not now. It's a problem today. According to Newsweek, in 2018, Christian persecution and genocide is worse now than any time in history. It actually said that every month, an average of 345 Christians are killed because of faith-related reasons. So, so persecution is not just back then. It's a 21st century problem. There, there are countless examples that we could go through of people that are fighting to follow Jesus, fighting to love Jesus, and serve Jesus, and it's costing them everything they have, including their lives. And yet, for a lot of us sitting in here, that's not our reality, right? Our reality is not that we have to be afraid of getting drugged to prison or crucified upside down because of our faith in Jesus. Thankfully, I'm glad that's not our reality, but does that mean that you and I are not persecuted? Is that what these verses are saying? Well, no, I don't think that's what it's saying at all because physical abuse, it's, it's not the only means of persecution. If we look at verse 11 again, we see that you can also be verbally abused with persecution. It says, blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. You see, persecution, it could be verbal insults or remarks. It could be things that are meant to tear us down, degrade us as Christians for living out our faith. It can also be social. Um, There's the Beatitudes. There's actually a shorter list also in the Gospel of Luke. And and one of these, I think, says it perfectly in Luke 6.22. It says, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Blessed are you when they exclude you 
when people mock you, when they lie about you, when people say things that are false because you're a Christian, when they try to take away your opportunity to speak up. And and when we read these verses, I think we have to ask, we have to ask, is that what following Jesus looks like for me? Is that what my life looks like? And to, to be clear, these verses, they're not talking about someone disagreeing with you, right? This persecution, it's not just someone having different beliefs or views than you do. No, it's, it's lying on your account. It's speaking falsely. It's excluding you, insulting you, persecuting you. And so when we read these verses, when I read these verses, I think I just ask, am I living in a way that brings this? Am I living in a way that is faithful to Jesus to the point that I experience opposition. I experience challenge because I'm fighting to be faithful to God. And guys, to be honest, that, that's a question. I've been looking at this, these verses for a couple weeks now, and I've, I've really had to wrestle with it. I've really had to wrestle with, man, is, is this true of my life? And and as I've been thinking about that, and as I've been trying to answer that, there's a lot of times where I, I really kind of think the answer's maybe no. I don't know that it's all the time. I don't know that it's every day, but there are areas in my life, situations that I'm in, that I'm not living boldly and faithfully to God. And I think that it can happen. We don't do that for a lot of different reasons. You know, for some of us in here, we don't do that because we have a group of friends and, and they're all Christians and we live with them or they're in our small group or we have this little pocket and we kind of just hang out with them. We kind of hang out with our group and we keep to ourselves anywhere else that we go. Or maybe you have a lot of non-Christian friends and yet the way that you're living, what you're doing, the way that you're talking, what you believe, it doesn't actually look any different from those people. Maybe you're friends with your peers and your classmates and those people in your organizations, and yet they actually can't tell a difference in the way you're living at all other than maybe that you're a good person. For some people, it's when we're around those people, when we're in that situation, when we're surrounded by people having that conversation, having that dialogue, you're kind of like me. You're kind of like I was in that training, and you're just silent. You don't say anything. You don't stand up for your faith. You don't talk about what you believe about Jesus being your savior. You just sit there. And I know, and I get all of those because I've, I've done all of those. I've been in those situations. I've separated myself. You know, I've conformed to the people around me. I've stayed silent. So why? Why do we do that? Why do we stay silent? Why do we conform? Why do we separate? And one of the best places that I found the answer is, if you're a Justin Bieber fan, you're going to love this. It's in his new album. If you like it, I, I don't know, I've listened to it a lot. I'm not normally a Biebs fan, but this album's pretty great. But if you haven't, there's a song, well, it's, it's kind of more of like a clip, and it's called the MLK Interlude. And so this clip is actually from Martin Luther King Jr., it's from a sermon that he gave in, I believe it's in Atlanta in 1967. And so I'm just going to read part of that for us because I think Martin Luther King, he says it perfectly. 
This is what he says. And one day, some great opportunity stands before you and calls upon you to stand up for some great principle, some great issue, some great cause, and you refuse to do it because you are afraid. You refuse to do it because you want to live longer. You're afraid that you will lose your job or you're afraid that you will be criticized or that you will lose your popularity or you're afraid that somebody will stab you or shoot at you or bomb your house and so you refuse to take the stand. We all know MLK had a great opportunity and he stood for that great opportunity. But he's not alone. You and I, we have a great opportunity We have an amazing chance to follow Jesus. We have the chance to share following Jesus with other people. We have the opportunity and the ability to be a part of what God is doing in restoring his creation, of bringing people to know him, to seek him, to desire him, to live for him. We have the opportunity to help each other and people that don't know Jesus to come and be a part of the beautiful narrative that Scripture is telling. God wants to use his people as vessels. He wants to use us and guide us through the Holy Spirit to help more people believe that Jesus is more. Guys, that is a great opportunity. That is an amazing task before us. And yet, this opportunity, it's costly. And so, we don't speak out. We stay silent. And and MLK says we stay silent because we refuse to do it because we are afraid. Afraid we'll be criticized or that we'll lose our popularity. And so, we refuse to take the stand. Those words, they just ring so true to my situation, to I think all of our situations. And then we have to ask, is, is that us? Is, is fear preventing you from taking the stand? Is fear preventing you from speaking out? Are you more afraid of being excluded and hated and mocked than you are for living out your hope that we have in Jesus? And I think If the answer is that you're living more in that fear than in that hope, we have to ask the question, are you really following Jesus? And that's a really hard question, but but we have to ask it at times. And in the last lines of that MLK, MLK clip, he says this, you died when you refused to stand up for right. You died when you refused to stand up for truth. You died when you refused to stand up for justice. If you and I, if we're not experiencing persecution because of living faithfully, if we're living in fear of our culture and those around us, well, then maybe we aren't following Jesus the way that we think that we are. And that's really hard. And and I'm not trying to say that tonight. I'm not trying to say that to scare you. I'm not trying to say that to try to question, because I don't know, but I think it's good for us to ask ourselves that question. I'm also not saying to seek out persecution. I'm not saying go be a jerk for Jesus so that people will call you names because you're being a jerk. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying seek out persecution, 
But I'm also not saying retreat from persecution or retreat from challenge and hardship that comes from insults and hatred and mocking from other people when you're living out your faith. And for some of you tonight, you would say that, yeah, that's actually my experience. I I really feel what you're talking about right now. I feel that hatred. I feel that exclusion. And and that's a reality for my life. And and I know that that's true because I've talked to some of you. I I talked to one of you earlier this semester. And um, this student, this friend of mine was telling me about an organization that they're involved in. And this organization, they were doing this thing. It was called Positivity Week. And so they wanted to be positive. They wanted to spread positivity, right? And so through this, they said, hey, we're going to share every day on social media. We're going to post on our Insta story a video of someone in our organization that is positive. And so when they did this, they, they asked my friend, hey, you're a, you're a positive person. Will, will you share? And so when they asked her, she said, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to share. And so she, she took a video and, and shared about how she stays positive. Well, to share that, she shared about her morning routine. And, and she's a Christian, and so her morning routine probably looks like reading her Bible and, and journaling and praying. And there's probably some type of cup of coffee involved in it, because there has to be. Just kidding. And so she knows, hey, that's, that's my morning routine But a lot of that, they're not going to put that up there because that's too Christian for our culture. That organization is not going to go with that. And so she talked about her morning routine, but she talked about journaling, and she talked about reading a book. And she posted the video. They posted the video. And a couple hours go by, and she gets a text. She gets a text from someone in charge of the organization, and they said, could you redo redo that video that you sent without mentioning the Bible and Christianity? Since we are an organization that represents so many, we don't want to identify with any sort of religion. Apparently, someone else in the organization had come to the leadership and said, hey, she talked about Christianity too much. We need to take that down. That's not okay. When in reality, she had said, book. And so these people, they lied about what she said. They spoke negatively about her to try to get what she was saying taken down. They ended up having to have her reshoot the video to make sure that there was no explicit mention of Christianity. There was nothing that she said that could allude to Christianity. And I know that for this student, that was really hard because the students in our organization, they know that she's a Christian. And this example that she felt, that she experienced, that she lived, you guys have those examples You have those times that people have tried to silence you when you're saying something or slander you or belittle what you're saying because they know that you're a Christian. And and the good thing about that is that we're actually in good company. Jesus himself, he was mocked, he was challenged, he was persecuted, he was slandered, he was hated. He actually says this in in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, it says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world. That is why the world hates you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. 
Or what if we look at the Apostle Paul in his letter to Timothy? Paul tells Timothy, he says, you know what I've been through. And then he says, you know the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone, Jesus, Paul, everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Those verses, they tell us that following Jesus today will be countercultural. Following Jesus today will be living in a society that doesn't approve of us submitting to Jesus as king. It goes against the grain of society. It's a different path than so many in our day are following. Today, the cultural narrative says, follow your heart. Trust yourself. It says, you do you, I'll do me. You stay in your own lane, I'll stay in mine. Culture says that truth, it's relative. The Bible, nobody actually believes or listens to the Bible anymore, right? That's just outdated. That's an old book. But guys, for Christians, for many of us, for you and I, following Jesus, it's trusting his word as truth. It's trusting his word as the ultimate truth in our lives. And guys, following Jesus, it comes with a cost. Faithfulness is not health and wealth and happiness. At times, it's actually the exact opposite. Our verses and the verses we've looked at tonight, they tell us that faithfulness, it brings persecution. It brings opposition. It brings hatred. It means that you might be excluded or insulted or rejected just like the prophets, just like Paul, just like Jesus. And like I said, I know for some of you in here tonight, you feel that. And, and when you feel that persecution, when you feel that challenge from people in your organizations or friend groups, you begin to ask, is it worth it? Why should I endure this persecution? Why should I endure this challenge that I'm going through for the sake of following Jesus? Why should I follow Jesus if I know it's going to be difficult? Why should I follow Jesus if I know that it's countercultural? Is it worth it? Do I have the strength? Do I have the courage to keep going? And so as we close, and as the music team comes back up, I just, I want to end with looking at our verses in Matthew 5 one last time. Because what we didn't talk about and what I didn't focus on is the hope that Jesus gives us in these verses. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Those who went before us, those who have been persecuted, those who have endured and understood what was at stake for their faith, they knew that it was difficult and yet they were able to endure. They were able to persevere because they understood that the difficulties that today that they face, that we face, are incomparable to the riches and the glory and the splendor that we have stored up for us in the kingdom of heaven. They knew that present sufferings are not worth comparing the glory that is to be revealed for those who are in Christ Jesus. Guys, following Jesus, it's not easy. 
it's not going to be easy. In fact, it tell, they tell us, Jesus tells us that it's gonna be hard. It's gonna bring challenge. But guys, don't let fear of your current situation, don't let fear of your culture prevent you from living out, experiencing, and sharing with others the hope that we have in Jesus. It is truly good news and it is truly hope because following Jesus, we can look to him for strength. Following Jesus, we can look to him for hope. We can live out our joy in him as our great reward, remembering and trusting that we're living for a bigger story, a true story. Guys, we are living for an eternal story. And so when he says we can cling to Jesus' words, rejoice and be glad for great is our reward in heaven. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.